Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of January 26. In the news, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe suspends Azerbaijan's membership. Armenia's foreign minister says that Armenia-Azerbaijan negotiations are backsliding. And Armenia will hand over eight new landmine maps to Azerbaijan as a sign of goodwill. This week, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe PACE suspended Azerbaijan's membership, citing, among other things, last September's military offensive in Nagorno-Karabakh, political prisoners in the country, the violent displacement of the Armenian population from Nagorno-Karabakh, the fact that the Assembly reporters were not uh, allowed to visit Azerbaijan at least three times during 2023, and not inviting the Assembly to observe the country's upcoming presidential elections slated for February 7. Before the decision was made, Azerbaijan announced that it will cease its engagement and presence at PACE until further notice. The Azerbaijani parliamentary delegation in Strasbourg accused PACE of exhibiting Azerbaijanophobia and Islamophobia and creating an unbearable atmosphere in the organization. Well, Azerbaijan is also considering leaving the Council of Europe and might decide not to recognize the jurisdiction of the European Court of Human Rights. You know, Rubina, when we were following the news, it seems that all the elements are now becoming clear to the international community that Azerbaijan is becoming a rogue state. And, you know, I was following Twitter and um, a lot of the members of parliament of Azerbaijan were tweeting about it and complaining. And one, Nigar Arpatarai, said, I believe this marks the pivotal moment in history when the Council of Europe space starts to shrink and will do so uh, and will continue to do so. And another lecturer from uh, Baku State University said the imposition of sanctions against Azerbaijan by the Council of Europe, where Azerbaijanophobia and Islamophobia are widespread, actually revealed the true nature of this organization. It seems that the liberation of our lands from occupation has seriously worried many circles and states in Europe. And taking all of this into account, the decision of the Azerbaijani delegation to terminate participation in PACE can be assessed as the right step. And, and these are just some examples. There were plenty. Well, very telling is one that we also have here uh, from a parliament member, actually, that says neither PACE nor any European institution should dictate how we live our lives. This is a complete disengagement from humanitarian norms or any international dialogue and can we just like a little bit of gossip about Nigar a backstory sure Uh, if it's not so so much a backstory but you were invited to be live interviewed live as her opposite you yeah Uh, and and and, you know these international global organizations it's incredible to me media organizations media organizations sorry obviously you know I'm an editor and a journalist and they they want me to sit beside a parliament member from Azerbaijan and debate the veracity of um, ethnic cleansing when it was clear to the world what was happening. And uh, at that time, I refused. And, you know, some people criticized me for refusing. They, they said that it was a platform. You could have, you know, pushed uh, Armenia's position. Uh, but when the playing field is so unfair and the... Um, it's it's, it's, you it's can't really, argue it's, with it's people... It's not logical because we listen to a lot of her interviews. Oh, She's know, just like... Not just repeating the state propaganda lines. Yeah. There's no way that someone can have a debate with her. You will say something, and she would just say but, whatever but, she know, has the, written the, down. The, the example that I um, that I brought to this news organization was to say that it's almost like asking um, the rape victim to sit and discuss 
and argue and debate with your rapist. Because sometimes some media organizations act like courts and not media organizations <laughs>、exactly. because that's the only place that would in any form or shape be justified.、Yeah. This is a subject this week a lot about Armenia and Azerbaijan、mm-hmm. and what's not happening.、Uh, on January 23, Armenia's Foreign Minister Arat Mirzoyan gave a press conference summing up the diplomatic year of 2023. One of the main topics addressed during the press conference was the Armenia Azerbaijan normalization process. Yeah, Mirzoyan uh, reiterated uh, you know, statements that he had made in the past when the Greek foreign ambassador,、uh, excuse me, foreign minister、uh, was in Armenia, that there has been a setback in the negotiation process. He noted that the positive momentum of the talks, evident until the exchange of POWs in early December, di- has not persisted. This lack of continuity was observed both in the context of the peace agreement's text and in relation to high level meetings. The foreign minister highlighted that the setback is apparent not only in Ilham Aliyev's recent interview, which we talked about, and Baku's official position, but there has also been backsliding concerning previously agreed upon agreements between the parties. Well, according to Mirzoyan, the setbacks concern a number of issues, including the main points of the peace talks, border demarcation, and Armenia's territorial integrity. Regarding border demarcation, the Aliyev regime has insisted that new borders should be drawn, and if not, some pre Soviet maps should be used as bases, according to Mirzoyan. Which Uh, respect to Armenia's territorial integrity, Aliyev has said that Azerbaijani forces will not withdraw from the occupied territories of Armenia. And finally, with respect to the opening of regional communications, the Azerbaijani president continues to insist on an unimpeded passage of goods and people through Armenia's sovereign territory. Mirzoyan went on to say that Armenia has not undertaken any obligations regarding the creation of any such corridor, neither by、uh, the ninth point of the November 9, 2020. Trilateral statement, nor by the January 11, 2021 statement about unblocking regional communications. And speaking about、uh, direct versus mediated negotiations, Mirzian noted that for Armenia,、um, it is not of key importance whether negotiations will take place in a bilateral format or whether they will be facilitated by a third party. But the content of these negotiations and the principles around which they should take place are crucial. He noted that、uh, the recent mediations. Facilitated by third parties are not the same as what the OSCE Minsk Group had been doing, for example, when they were developing proposals and presenting them to the parties. Recently,、um, all of the efforts, the mediation efforts by third parties, were mainly or simply about facilitating、uh, the meetings between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And commenting on Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov's recent claims that Azerbaijan is willing to sign a peace treaty with Armenia in Russia, Mirzan said that he does. Not know whether Baku is ready to sign a peace treaty in Moscow or not. He added that he has not received any such assurance from the Azerbaijani side, neither during closed meetings nor publicly.、Uh, he said if Sergei Lavrov claims so, maybe he has some reason to make such a claim. He went on to say that nonetheless, international presence, not necessarily mediated negotiations and the talks, is important because the peace to be established in the South Caucasus and the unblocking of regional routes does not only lie in the interests of Armenia and Azerbaijan, but is also important for regional and non regional actors. And when asked to comment whether there will be a higher risk of escalation between Armenia and Azerbaijan based on the outcomes of elections set to take place in the EU and the US, Mirzoyan noted. 
suggested that indeed there is such risk. He went on to note that there is always a risk of escalation on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border and Armenia cannot let its guard down. He thinks that the West is not pulling away from the Armenia-Azerbaijan talks and that they are showing a balanced approach to the process. And this past week we published an article called EU-US elections could test Armenia's resilience by one of our staff writers. Um, and it takes a look at how, and depending how those elections go, what this would mean for the peace process, what it would mean for Armenia's security. As we know, there's uh, presidential elections in the United States, and Trump seems to be trying to make a, a pretty strong comeback. And if he does come to power in the United States, that could shift uh, America's involvement, interest in our region. Well, it's a kind of a deja vu situation Isn't with the 2020 though? war. Mm -hmm. Back to the uh, press conference, Mirzoyan highlighted the perceived lack of political will from the Azerbaijani side to achieve peace with Armenia. On the contrary, they appear to be intensifying tensions by presenting groundless demands in the demarcation process, he said. He also emphasized Armenia's commitment to the peace process. He expressed hope that unresolved issues, including the return of Armenian prisoners of war, would be addressed and resolved through negotiations. And addressing Armenian cultural heritage in Artsakh, Mirzoyan mentioned that Armenia currently lacks the means to monitor the state of cultural assets in areas that are now under Azerbaijani control. He highlighted Armenia's efforts to voice concerns publicly, including collaboration with UNESCO. Mirzoyan stressed the crucial role of the international community in this regard. And he said, you know, they have a big role to play and um, was sort of like a call to action. And when asked to comment on whether Armenia wants to withdraw its signature from the November 9th statement, Mirza noted that there is no sense in revoking something that is not functioning. He reiterated Pashinyan's statement that Azerbaijan and Russia as signatories to the statement have not fulfilled any of their obligations since November of 2020 when the statement was signed. And Maria, to cite you, that agreement is dead in the water. <laughs> Well, uh, now turning west, commenting on the stagnation of Armenia-Turkey relations, Mirzoyan noted that none of the agreements reached in 2022 between the special envoys have been realized. There's no surprise there. I mean, when this whole process started, I was like, okay, it's it's another um, it's another drama that we're going to go through. Uh, Mirzoyan said that there have been mutual investigations or surveys of the infrastructure on uh, border checkpoints. The Armenian side has renovated the checkpoint and the road in Margara, but the border remains closed for third-party citizens and holders of diplomatic passports, which was what the whole agreement was about, was about. initial stages. Mm -hmm. And this is another deja vu. We even played football <laughs> again. Well, he did note that there has been more progress in the restoration of the historic bridge of Ani, adding that the Turkish side has presented its plans for the restoration of the bridge and the Armenian side will respond after reviewing the proposal. He said that nothing is hindering the opening of the border other than Turkey's political will. Yesterday, Armenia's National Security Service announced that it will hand eight new landmine maps to Azerbaijan as a sign of goodwill. The maps, uh, apparently according to the NSS, um, were developed after survey work among former military personnel of Artsakh Nagorno-Karabakh was conducted. In a statement, the NSS said that this gesture is aimed at taking tangible steps to build trust between the two states. The maps will be transferred to the Azerbaijani side through working channels in the coming days, and copies will be handed over to international partners.
Army has previously declared that all minefield maps it had uh, in its possession were transferred to Azerbaijan. According to the NSS, throughout 2021, Armenia handed 972 logs of minefields to Azerbaijan without any preconditions. Baku has been complaining, though, that the maps are inaccurate and are causing casualties among servicemen and civilians. Azerbaijan's foreign ministry issued a statement saying that it takes note of the statement by Armenia's National Security Service on the intention to present landmine maps to Azerbaijan. It, however, expressed skepticism about the accuracy of the map, saying that only 25% of the maps could be considered to be accurate. They also went on to say that um, the statement by Armenian side demonstrates that the intention of this country is not a humanitarian one, and this step could not be considered as a confidence-building measure. Azerbaijan expects Armenia to submit accurate maps of all landmine sites that have not yet been fully presented to Azerbaijan. This is according to the Azerbaijani Foreign Ministry. It also demanded that Yerevan take urgent measures to provide information on the fate of 4,000 missing Azerbaijanis and places of mass graves where Azerbaijanis have been buried over the last 30 years. I mean, they're they're talking about a war that happened 30 years ago. And uh, yesterday, a Baku court extended the pre-trial detention of the Artsakh officials kept in Azerbaijan for another four months. A Russian Armenian businessman, philanthropist, and Artsakh's former state minister, Ruben Vartanian, former Artsakh president, Arey Karutunyan, Bakos Hakyan, and Arkady Rukasian, former foreign minister, David Babayan, and parliament speaker, David Ishkanyan, and army generals, Levon Menatsaganyan, and David Manukyan were arrested by Azerbaijan in the days following the exodus of Armenians from Artsakh. This week, summing up the EU Foreign Affairs Council meeting, EU High Representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security policy, Joseph Borrell, said that it was agreed that Azerbaijan needs to return to substantive peace and normalization talks with Armenia. He said, the latest territorial claims by President Aliyev are very concerning, and any violation of Armenia's territorial integrity will be unacceptable and will have severe consequences for our relations with Azerbaijan. I really wonder what those severe consequences will be. A warning, another <laughs> warning. Of course, Azerbaijan's foreign ministry issued a press release in regards to Borrell's statement, calling it groundless. The blatant misinterpretation of facts by the EU high representative is an open disregard for Azerbaijan's legitimate interests, and such threatening rhetoric is a clear example of double standards. At the statement, it went on to uh, say that it will further uh, damage Azerbaijan-EU relations. On January 2021, foreign minister Arad Mirzoyan met with Armenia's ambassadors accredited in European countries, the USA and Canada, as well as representatives in international organizations. The current situation in the South Caucasus, efforts aimed at establishing stability, the peace agenda, challenges, as well as prospects for enhancement of Armenia's bilateral and multilateral agenda were addressed. And this week, Defense Minister Surin Babikian met his uh, Gazakh counterpart in Astana, Armenia, Gazakhstan defense cooperation, security, as well as other topics were discussed during the meeting. The defense ministers of the two countries signed the 2024 defense cooperation plan between the ministries of defense of Armenia and Kazakhstan. This plan includes a series of activities to be conducted in both countries. And just a side note, because I was, I checked, I was like, Kazakhstan is a CSTO member state. So by default, we do have a military cooperation with Kazakhstan in the format 
in the CSTO format. But this week in review, kind of looking through it with Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan as well, where developing seems to be developing defense uh, mm-hmm. cooperations. And today, Prime Minister Pashinyan met with his Georgian counterpart, Irakli Bashvili in Tbilisi. Pashinyan is in Georgia to participate in a regular session of the Intergovernmental Commission on Economic Cooperation between Armenia and Georgia. The Prime Ministers of the two countries discussed Armenia-Georgia cooperation in different fields. And this week, Russia's President Vladimir Putin discussed the future of the Russian peacekeeping mission in Artsakh with his Azerbaijani counterpart. According to Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, it was agreed that at this stage the presence of the peacekeeping mission contributes to peace and stability in the region as well as to the return of the Artsakh Armenians to Nagorno-Karabakh. So the peacekeeping mission that's keeping peace in a completely depopulated Nagorno-Karabakh is it's keeping peace and stability in the region. And the Arsakh Armenians, for some reason, are going to trust the uh, Russian peacekeepers once again and return uh, to Arsakh. Well, uh, in this vein, Armenia's defense ministry told Azadutun that the issues with Russian arms companies have mostly been settled. However, several problems still remain. According to Azadutun, the ministry did not clarify whether the weapons worth $400 million were actually supplied or not. And on January 25, the Armenian government decided on classifying military procurement as state secret. The military procurement plan, the bid, technical characteristics, procurement organizational processes, as well as the company that made the supplies or rendered services will be classified as state secrets. The decision will take effect January 28. The newly appointed foreign minister of France, Stéphane Sejourné, in a message for the French diplomatic corps, reiterated France's continued support to Armenia. He also emphasized the importance of a just and lasting peace, respecting the law and territorial integrity, as well as the right of the population to live in dignity, respecting its memory, history, and culture. And the French president, Emmanuel Macron, in his annual message to the military, uh, stated that the Balkans and Armenia have captured France's attention, and this has led them to strengthen their position and make and make historic choices, especially regarding Armenia. And yesterday, the Armenian government decided to appoint military attaches in Czechia and Kyrgyzstan, another CSTO member, as you were saying, Rubina. The military attaché of the Armenian embassy in Germany will now cover Czechia, while the military attaché of the Armenian embassy in Kazakhstan will cover Kyrgyzstan. And in local news, Armenia has embarked on the path of, of constitutional reforms again. Last week, Prime Minister Pashinyan said during a meeting at the Justice Ministry that Armenia does not need constitutional reforms. It needs a new constitution that will reflect the new realities of a changing world. Since then, there has been a speculation that the government intends to change the constitution to accommodate um, this peace treaty to be signed with Azerbaijan. Foreign Minister Mirzoyan was asked to comment on the subject during his press conference, and he noted uh, that both Yerevan and Baku have registered legal problems or issues in uh, the other countries' constitutions and have raised the issue. He added that he cannot deny that the constitution has great influence on foreign policy. However, he stressed that it would be an exaggeration to claim that Armenia-Azerbaijan talks are the reason for changing the constitution. 
Meanwhile, Azad Tun has obtained a document of the reform concept submitted to the government by the Ministry of Justice, which will allow for minority governments based on plurality, thus changing the current stipulations of majority rule. This would entail uh, coalition governments and uh, burden sharing as opposed to one-party majority dominance. During this week's cabinet meeting, the Armenian government announced that a record number of jobs uh, were registered in 2023. As of December 2023, there were 700, over 740,000 jobs uh, in Armenia. According to Armenia's statistical committee, Armenia uh, registered 11% unemployment uh, last year, which is also um, a record low number for the country. And Armenia's food and safety inspection body announced on January 23 that uh, products containing milk and eggs can uh, now be exported to EU countries and also to UAE. Yeah, this is uh, an important development for Armenian producers who, because of certain regulations, were not allowed or couldn't uh, export their products. So, Or the products would be uh, stuck Below on a par. Yeah, <laughs> checkpoint for uh, weeks until they went bad. And on January 22, an administrative court in Yerevan ruled that the National Security Service has to lift the ban on ARF members Murat Papazian and Masis Abrahamian. As a reminder, the two ARF members were denied entry into Armenia uh, back in 2022. So that's the kind of week it's been. And we've published a number of uh, articles this week. You know, it's interesting because many of our articles are quite heavy <laughs> about the geopolitical situation, about defense, about security. But uh, we are trying to mix it up a little bit with stories that are sometimes very intriguing and very uplifting, like Maria Gunko. She is um, she's actually studying at Oxford. She is uh, a visiting professor at Yerevan State University. Her, her specialization is uh, anthropology, migration studies, and she started a new uh, series with, uh, with us called Outside In. Yeah, we decided to call because of uh, she moved to Armenia uh, after the war, after the Russia-Ukraine war. And it's her views of Armenia and what she discovers. A lot of the times things we don't see because we're so used to it. And it's a very uh, unique perspective because uh, as she keeps saying, on one hand, this is very familiar to her mm -hmm. coming from uh, being born in the Soviet Union and coming from the post-Soviet space, but yet very new. Uh, and as much as it's very peculiar, a lot of the things for Armenia, uh, to Armenia. Yeah, the third uh, essay of Outside In, which we just published, is, uh, spotlights the mundane in Armenia's peripheral locations you know it's about zones of abandonment and we've seen that so much uh, in our lives as we travel throughout the country where the seemingly unspectacular encounters with people and things and allows us to capture the unique features of the territory so in that, this particular case it's a children's summer yeah, camp that yeah. has been abandoned and the mosaics that she yeah, describes lovely. pretty fascinating well uh, maria you know what uh, we keep doing publishing all this stuff and we don't under uh, we sometimes don't see the bigger picture unless we put it uh, in front <laughs> of us like this and start talking about it so looks like we have a lot of part twos and part threes mm -hmm. and also given that we're also also about about to launch sheila pylan's column where <laughs> what, called unleashed. unleashed get ready for that 
So we're having a lot of mini series and columns, part ones and part mm-hmm. twos, uh, multiple continuity. part uh, continuity. Mm-hmm. And a good example is Arev's uh, Brezhnev years. We, we just published part three this week. Part two was last week, but yeah. part one was way back. Yeah, last year. It's a story told by her niece, actually. The author is her niece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she describes... Uh, Arev as someone who wears Chanel suits in Almodovar colors that she got from who knows where, always a red lipstick and high heel shoes. And this woman survived Soviet prison. Right. And the story is told from Arev's perspective. It's a telephone conversation she's having. And Arev is her mother's sister, her Morkur, as we say in Armenian. And it's uh, it's almost a tender and funny and Um, tragic story in so many ways. It's almost also surreal, like many people's lives have been. Look, she starts, uh, she's have a job during the Soviet Union, but she's uh, accused of being corrupt and taking a bribe, sentenced to prison. Then second part is uh, her time in prison. And the third part is delegated to go find uh, bottles, bottles in wine. other Soviet republics because uh, the, the work of their factory would just come to a standstill if she didn't. And we've also launched a series with Samson Avedian, which we're very happy to have back on the page of EVN Report. He was with us in the early years and he actually had a tech podcast with us. Uh, and, and now, of course, we have EVN Disrupt. But Samson uh, is the CEO of Equify and co-founder and uh, vice president of AICA. He you know, promotes investments into Armenia's innovation startups. And he's been writing about you know, our financial habits, our financial systems. Um, so we actually we're publishing his piece today, his second piece. It's on, already on the front page. Oh, is it? Okay, yes. there you go. And uh, last but not least, uh, Dikan Yagavian. Yeah. Well, he... Our, uh, fam- our, our favorite... Well, sorry, let me take that back. We have two French-Armenian uh, journalists, Guides Minasian, who's going to be back again on our pages. Two parts again. See, he, we're doing a lot of two-parters. Well, well Guides uh, is actually his book on the Gharapar War is coming out uh, in a few weeks. So he's been very, very busy writing his book and he has now sent a two-part series. He loves to write a lot. So, Well, uh, Yegavian's article is called Conflicts Fueling Geopolitical Dynamics in 2024. It's a little bit, he doesn't do a lot of analysis like this. We know him more from his uh, the diaspora, diaspora series. series well in this context he's saying we know you know uh the western disengagement in syria the shift of the war in ukraine the recent events in gaza and the shockwave caused by the ethnic cleansing in Artsakh are not isolated events and in this respect he's saying uh, in this milieu azerbaijan has managed to position itself into a medium-sized power in the region uh well as of course he talks about his concerns for Armenia. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting read indeed. And we'll be having uh, many more articles coming next week. You should take a look uh, out for them. And just as a reminder, if people do want to subscribe to our newsletter, they can go on our website and hit subscribe and just put in their email. And every Monday we send out a newsletter of all of our articles and podcasts. So do take uh, a look at that. And I guess that's a wrap for this week. Thank you for listening. Have a safe and peaceful weekend and we will be back again next week. Mm-hmm.